welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. We should have fun in church, right? Church is not a somber place. Church is a happy place. Amen? Let me see you smile. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful smile. Well, last week, Rachel and I were gone. We went to the wonderful state of Arizona. And we got a little spoiled there um, in terms of weather. Um, It was like mid-80s there, you know. So it was good. We got, I got to be in a wedding. One of my good friends of mine got married. I got to do the wedding and it it was quite warm and we got to golf a little bit. So that was great. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Most of you are like golf. You're weird. Uh, So I got to golf, got to enjoy the eighties, you know, 80 degree weather. And then I came back and I was expecting it to stay this way for some reason. And it just really hasn't happened yet. So, um, had to all of a sudden put coats back on and stuff, and it looks like it's going to get cold again next week. But uh, got a little spoiled, but don't worry, guys. I got nice and tan for you. Um, if you need any tanning anointing, I'll lay hands at the end of service. Um, but it was good. It was good. But it's good to be home. It's good to be where you're called to be. You can be in the nicest place on the planet, yet be miserable at the same time because you're not where you're supposed to be. Amen. All right, let's uh, go to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to continue talking about something that I just can't seem to shake yet. So until the Lord says move on, we're going to stay with it. And what has that been for those of you who have favor? Not flavor, but favor. I'm going to keep using that one until we're done with this series. So Hebrews 4.16, I'm going to be reading out of New King James for every verse today. It says, let us therefore come boldly. How are we supposed to come? Boldly. Does it say, let us come timidly? Let us come with our heads down. No. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That word grace also is translated favor. It's the same word in the Greek. That we may obtain mercy and find favor or grace to help in our time of need. But the key is to come boldly to the throne. Boldly. Somebody say boldly. Did you know all the favor of God that you need is in this place today? About 25% of you agree with that. Did you know all the favor that you need today is found Right here, right here, right where you're sitting is all the favor you need. Why? Because this is the house of God. And if we really want to get super technical about it, all the favor you need is actually also on the inside of you. Because our bodies are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. So really all the power, all the favor all the grace, all the mercy that you need is found 
inside of you. Woo! This side's getting really excited over here. We're going to work on this side here. It's found on the inside of you. See, a lot of times we go searching externally to find answers to our problems. But maybe we should start looking internally to the solutions to our problems. Why? Because we have the creator of the universe on the inside of us. Amen? But a lot of us, me included, our natural inclination is to look elsewhere to solve our issues. Right? It's, it's our natural tendency. We have to fight that in order to be truly happy, fulfilled, and successful because happiness and joy and peace comes from the inside of us. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, that can change at the end of service today. But I'm only talking to people who are Christians right now. If you're not a Christian, then you're spiritually dead. You don't have that on the inside of you. But the moment you become born again, you have life on the inside of you and life more abundantly. I I have brought this up a few times in, in preaching this because we have to constantly be reminded of this. Like I said earlier, it, it, it's natural inclination for us to look to other people, to, to Google, <laughs> hopefully not the news, but sometimes maybe so, when we need to be looking on the inside of us because that's where all the help is. Because guess what? Greater is he that is in us. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is God on the inside of you than the sickness trying to attack your body. Greater is God on the inside of you than the anxiety trying to plague your mind. Greater is God on the inside of you than that unexpected bill that came in the mail. Amen? Greater is God on the inside of you than uh, your financial state. Greater is God on the inside of you than that person who was a jerk to you last week. Amen? Greater is God on the inside of you than uh, when you were the jerk. (laughs) Maybe need some forgiveness. Greater is God on the inside of you than he, who's he? Satan and all his tactics and devices than is in the world. Greater is God. Say, greater is God. God. Who is in me me. than Satan Satan. who is in the world. world. You know, the world looks a bit dark right now. Maybe a bit's a little bit of an understatement. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The amount of darkness going on is not, it's not even comparable to the amount of light that's on the inside of you. Amen? But we have to believe it. We have to believe it. So there is a very important aspect of favor that we have yet to talk about, but yet I think it's very vital in us seeing the fullness of God's favor in our lives. It's going to sound really, really simple, but honestly, I'm going to let you know it's probably going to be one of the hardest things that you have to, that you're going to have to do. Are you ready to find out what that is? Are you ready to find out what that is? 
All right, so I thought it would be good to go back a few verses from Hebrews 4. Let's go to um, Hebrews 3, and we're going to start in verse 16. Because how many of you know it's good to always get the context that the scripture is written in? A lot of doctrines and denominations veered off when they take one scripture and make it, that's it. But scripture needs to be in balance with scripture, right? All right, so Hebrews 3, 16. And uh, lost my, oh, there we go. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So who's, who are we talking about right now? The Israelites, right? That, um, who were with Moses when he brought them out of Egypt. Now with whom was he angry 40 years in that he is capitalized, so it's talking about God. Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey, see, so, uh, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. So the title of my message today is Ready, Set, Rest. Ready, set, rest. Or you could, you could put a, a question mark at the end of that. You could do, do this. Ready, set, rest? I'll let you decide how to put it in your notes. You see, I'm not talking about being a super napper here, okay? Or being a great sleeper. I can tell you one thing. I'm one of those who can sleep through practically anything. Huh, Rach? She doesn't like it, but I do. <laughs> and sometimes I can fall asleep like that. Like, we were in Arizona last week, like I said, and I was, we had a long day. I was really tired, and we were laying in bed, and I think Rachel got up to turn off the lights or something. I, I can't remember what it was. But in that time frame that she got up, to turn off the lights or whatever and to come back, I was already out. I was out. It's an anointing. It's a gift. And the gifts are God or without repentance. Amen. It's a gift. She doesn't like the gift very much. Because for example, a couple nights ago, Judah was coughing in our room for like an hour and I didn't hear it. Again, it's an anointing. And I guess she even, did you hit me a couple times? You, you did. You hit me. Okay. And I was out. Oh, it was a love tap. Interpret that as you will. But anyway, she gave me a love tap multiple times. And I'm out. I'm like, you know, I'm out. Like I said, it's a gift. It's a gift. That my wife doesn't like sometimes because she's trying to get me to help with the kids. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm like Jesus on the boat, out. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening. I can sleep through anything. <laughs> not everybody has that. I, so I'm sorry if I feel like I'm rubbing it in your face. I'm not. I'm just letting you know. You see, if we are truly tapping into the incredible power of God, the incredible favor of God, then we are in a state of rest. What does that mean? We are resting in his favor. We are resting in his power. 
You see, the reason I said it sounds so simple is because it is simple, isn't it? The, the concept is simple. That doesn't mean that it's easy. See, sometimes we get simple and easy confused. Just because something is simple, that doesn't mean that it's easy. See, a lot of times we try to, when things arise, we try to fix things on our own. Right? When battles arise, we try to fix them. When um, things come up where we have to make decisions, we try to make them on our own. We try to do this. We try to do that. We try to fix things. We try to find things. We try to work things on our own. But that's not the way God wants us to operate. That's not how he wants us to operate. He wants us to lean on him. In every aspect of our life, lean on him. Lean on his favor. So verse 19 says that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. Hebrews calls this unbelief. So what was their unbelief? Let's go find out, shall we? Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Book of Numbers. And it does have numbers in it. That's such a dad joke. Gosh, so bad. It's like on the lower scale of dad jokes. I'm really working on my dad jokes, just FYI. Now that I got two kids, I'm looking forward to the day where I can just embarrass them with awesome dad jokes. It's amazing how the tables have turned. So Hebrews 13, we're going to start in verse 26. Oh, sorry, sorry. What did I say? Hebrews? No, no, no. We're going to Numbers. Numbers 13, 26. Thank you, guys. You guys are paying attention. I like it. Now it says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness Paran and Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So a little backstory. Moses sent out spies. They're right on the brink of entering the promised land. So he sent some spies out to get a lowdown, to get uh, a report of what, what they're going up against. What does the land look like? Wh what are the people there? And so they were supposed to spy it out do what they're supposed to do and come back and report to Moses and the people. Verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So they brought back some fruit. Cool. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Okay, so we kind of see where the conversation is starting to go, right? Yes, the land is good. Yes, it's got amazing fruit. It's got honey. It's got milk. It's got water. It's got all these things. But let's, let me tell you about the giants in the land. And immediately their perception and their focus shifts to the problem instead of the goodness. 
of what God promised. Immediately, they start to narrow in on that. And to be honest, they don't get off of it. We're going to keep reading. They don't get off of it. How many times does that happen to us? God shows us something. God tells us something. And instead of focusing on the outcome that God wants, we start focusing on the giants in the land. We start focusing on the issues. We start focusing on the things that seem too big for us to handle. Now, they couldn't handle it on their own. There's giants in the land, right? People like three, four times bigger than they are. In the natural, it looks like they're going to lose immediately when they go in. But they're not taking into account who brought them through everything in the past. God is on their side. God is on their side. So let's keep reading. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So out of the spies that were sent, only one of them believed they could do it. That was Caleb. But the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up these people, Caleb, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Oh, now they're getting real descriptive now. It's a land that devours its, I don't know if that means like a mouth opens up and like people fall in and it gets eaten by the land or what. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants. We already know you saw giants, bros. Like, come on, we know. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. There's the issue. And then they throw this in. And so we were in their sight. No, you weren't. They didn't see you. You were spies. <laughs> How can you possibly know if, they, if you looked like grasshoppers to them? Duh. It was an assumption about what they thought the people thought of them or what they were going to think of them. Whew. How many times do we make assumptions about what people think about us? And it deters us from doing what God called us to do because we're afraid of what people will think about us. It's called the fear of man. The fear of man. So they're like, there's giants. We're not going to be able to do this. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And they thought we were grasshoppers. We need to stop looking at ourselves as grasshoppers. We are not grasshoppers. What did I say earlier? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Does that mean you're a grasshopper? But you know, again and again, Time and again, the enemy is going to try to make you think of yourself as a grasshopper. He can't do anything about the power that's on the inside of you. He just has to start to get you to think less of yourself than you are. That's why it's so important why, why we keep reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ, who Jesus made us to be. Because if we don't, we're naturally going to start spiraling down the grasshopper route. 
but we're not grasshoppers. Say, I'm not a grasshopper. All right, then it just keeps getting worse. I'm just letting you know right now. So keep going, Numbers 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Wow. So they're sobbing, they're crying, not just for a moment, all night. You know why they were crying all night? Because this, they got brought of Egypt, out of Egypt for this moment. This is what they were brought out of Egypt for, for this land. And now all of a sudden, it's looking like they can't get it. So pretty much what they're thinking, everything we've gone through now up to this point was futile. Everything that we've done to this point is worthless. And they say it here. Verse two, and all the children of Israel complained. Highlight that, underline it, circle it, star it. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if we only had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, see? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Why has he brought us to this point only to just let us die right here? What? That our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What? Are you serious right now? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? They've forgotten everything God had done for them up to that moment. Why? Because they got so, isn't it so easy though when a situation like this arises? in our lives and we get so focused in and it makes so much sense at the time. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't God help me through this? Why, you know, um, maybe he won't help me. And it, it's so easy for us to focus on, on this and that's what the enemy wants is to get us focused on this. Yeah, God maybe did it two days ago, but he, he, maybe he won't do it this time. That's pretty much what they're saying, Right? See, in those moments, we have to take a step back. Because really, that doesn't make logical sense, right? Why would God bring them through all that out of all the miracles that he performed, everything he did to keep them alive, to bring them to the land only to let them die by the people who are occupying the land? Does that really make sense? No, that's actually a really horrible trick if it was true but it's not true. But how many times has that happened to us where we, we go through things and, and, and the, the, the problem that we have right now seems bigger than any problem we've had in the past, which most of the time it's not, but maybe it is. Let's just say it is. That's a very important time to remind yourself of everything God has done in your life. Amen? Because if you start focusing in on he's not gonna do it for me, what are you going to have? Unbelief. Unbelief. So because of what they did, a few verses down, God told them they could not enter the promised land. Hebrews says it was because of their unbelief. And we find out reading the story, what was their unbelief? And this is my first point. It was complaining. 
excuse me. Complaining equals unbelief. That is my first point. I'm going to say it again. Complaining equals unbelief. I'm going to say it one more time for the people who didn't get it. Complaining equals what? In fact, you say it back to me. Ready? Complaining You see, God takes our complaining very personally. Very personally. Oh, I'm getting in your business today. (laughs) You know why? Because our complaining means we have zero trust in him. That's what they were doing right here. Zero trust in God. Nada. If I could say zero in another language besides Spanish, I would. It's zero. Zero trust. Think about it as a parent. For those of you who are parents, do you like it when your children complain about you? That was kind of weak. Um, As a parent, do you like when your children complain about you? No. I haven't gotten to that point yet. But, because my kids are still little. But after everything you do for them, you give them food, you give them shelter, you give them clothes, might even buy them a car, all these things you do for them. And then you find out they complain about you. How does that make you feel? Awful. Awful. Or what about another example? What about um, if your spouse complains about you? It hurts, doesn't it? Because it's somebody close to you. Now, sometimes it's probably warranted, okay? Sometimes we do mess up because we're not perfect yet. We can be. We have the power to be like Jesus, but a lot of times we got to crucify the flesh, right? So do you think it's ever okay then for us to complain about God who is perfect, who cannot lie? No, it's not okay. It's not okay. I mean, if we really were to take some time and make a list of everything God has done for us, we could keep writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. But the moment a problem or an issue arises, All of a sudden, it's like we forget about it. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I don't know if God's going to do that. All of a sudden, it's like, I know his word says that, but I don't know. It's just a book. Do I really believe that? Oh, I'm being real this morning. Just because you come to church two to three times a week doesn't mean those thoughts aren't going to try to come into your mind. Because we have an adversary who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, he cannot devour you unless you yield to the thoughts he's putting into your mind. He cannot. Just because the thoughts come doesn't mean they have to be yours. Doesn't mean they are yours. You see, we are doubting God's character when we complain, which is exactly what the devil wants. If you think about it, isn't that what most of the thoughts come you know, that, are, that um, the enemy tries to put on our mind, it's to doubt God's character. 
It's to doubt his character. That's why he takes complaining so personally because his character is him. It's, it's immovable. It, 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 he cannot lie. Like who he says he is, that's who he is. So when we complain, we're saying that he's not that. Woo. Oh, are you hearing this today? This is, this is why maybe some of you are still in the mess you're in because of this, because of your words. Maybe that's the reason some of you haven't seen breakthrough in some areas is because you're complaining. And low key, maybe you haven't said it, but you keep entertaining the, entertaining the thoughts. Instead of casting down the thoughts, rebuking the thoughts, you keep entertaining the thoughts and letting them wander about in your mind for hours and hours and hours and hours. So this is very important right here. You listening? You listening? Are you listening? This is the whole reason why you brushed your teeth, hopefully, and combed your hair. You can tell the areas in your life that you are not resting in God's favor by your level of frustration and the amount of complaining you do in those areas. You can tell the areas in your life that you are not resting in God's favor by your level of frustration and the amount of complaining that you do in those areas. Whew. I'm glad I get to share this with you so it's not only me, like I'm thinking about all the stuff that I've been complaining about or have complained about. It shows that I don't trust him. Even if it involves another person that you can't really control, you're still not trusting that he can change their hearts. Maybe you've been complaining about your employer. Well, maybe you should stop complaining and start praying about your employer. Maybe you are the employer, employer and you keep complaining about your employees. Well, maybe you should pray for them instead of complain about them. Because your complaining is actually doing more damage than helping. So let's flip it a, let's flip it a little bit. I, um, I'm going to talk about something that I get a little frustrated in, okay? So I'll be transparent. Um, my kids. Um, so Judah, love Judah. You know, one day he's going to be like, stop talking about me from the stage, Dad, okay? But until that day, we're milking it. So he has this tendency to play with liquids in his mouth. And not just play with liquids in his mouth, but then spit it all over his face where it drains down his clothes onto the floor. And it's usually not always water. It's usually sometimes milk or juice or something. So now we have a puddle of milk on the ground. Huh, Rach? And it's all over his clothes. It's all over his face. And wherever he did, it's just everywhere. All of a sudden, there's just juice, milk, whatever, everywhere. That can get very frustrating. I'm like, bro, you're almost three. Like, come on, let's move it here. Let's get a little bit more mature. Come on, stop doing that. I'm trying to eat dinner and you're over there hiding, spitting stuff all over the place. Like, come on. It's very frustrating. And I don't handle it very well. I'm just going to be honest. Huh, Rach? Very, very frustrating. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't. Did you know I'm not resting in his favor in that situation? 
Because what are the thoughts that come to my mind in that situation? Maybe not so often, but this is like, is he always going to be this way? (laughs) Am I raising a bad kid? What's going on here? Like, it's funny, but just with that, those are the thoughts that try to come into my mind. Am I training him up in the way he should go? Am I doing things right? All of a sudden it starts coming back to me like maybe I'm not being good enough. I'm starting to view myself as a grasshopper. Oh, you're not a good parent. Oh, you let them do this, do that, do that. You're not, you're not a good parent. It goes from him bathing himself in milk to me thinking, am I a good parent? That's how the enemy works. He was always going to try to make you look at yourself as a grasshopper. Say it again, I am not a grasshopper. Now, in saying all this, this doesn't mean we're not going to have moments. And that doesn't mean that we live in this everything is a hunky-dory bubble. But it does mean that we don't make it a habit, we don't make it a lifestyle, and we just keep our mouths shut. Right? Just because frustrating things happen doesn't mean we need to talk about it negatively. Now, sometimes you're going to need to talk about things, and that's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Complaining about it. You know, complaining is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very delightful, isn't it? To your flesh. Your spirit, you know, as you're doing it for like about 10 or so minutes, is like, ah, stop, stop, stop. But your flesh like craves it, doesn't it? Something that I've learned, it's like, I just, once you get on a roll, it's like, oh my gosh, like keep feeding it. It's like cookies. It's like ice cream. Your flesh craves complaining. We need to starve it. Starve it of complaining. Starve it of complaining. Oh my, we got to keep rolling here. Hebrews 4, back to Hebrews 4. We're going to go start at the beginning at verse 1. And we'll get to my second point here. Really, I could preach the whole sermon on complaining. But we're going to talk about three things here. So I got to move on to the two other points. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, that's God's rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. But I thought God said, fear not. That's also could be interpreted as, you know, the fear of the Lord, right? You know, we're, we're not afraid of God. We're afraid to be away from God. Verse two, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, still talking about the Israelites, did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore on my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So point two, it is impossible to enter God's rest without faith. 
Impossible. Cannot do it. You must have faith in his favor. You must have faith in his rest. See, resting in God's favor opens up the door for God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine. Does that sound good to anybody? It's not working it in your own strength. Let him work it. What's our part? Having faith. Having faith in him and who he says he is. So this does not mean that we don't have a part. You get that, right? That we just sit back because I get there's uh, two extremes of personality wise in here probably. Some of you are work, 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 go, 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 do this, do that, do that. And you're like everywhere. Like, what's he doing? This, 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 this. And then there's some people on the other end of the spectrum. You're like, you're talking about rest. Let me show y'all how to rest. Okay. I'm just going to quit my job right now. I'm going to go on a beach. I'm going to become a beach bum. I'm going to lay on the beach, tan, wonderfully get in the water. I can teach y'all how to rest. That's not what I'm talking about. You do realize that, right? So you have two opposite ends of the spectrum. Resting in God doesn't mean that we take like a break. It means we have faith in him. Faith in who he says he is. Faith in his power in us. Faith in his favor. Somebody say faith. 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 You see, even the words you are hearing today won't profit you anything if you don't mix faith with them. You can come to church a whole year and not get anything out of it if you're not mixing faith with what you're hearing. Do you know that? It's one thing to be here and to listen online, watch online and all that, but it's another thing to mix faith with what you're hearing. Do you believe what you're hearing or is it just in one ear and out the other ear? Even reading the Bible, let's take reading the Bible. Reading the Bible without faith just makes it a regular book. Because see, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to hear from him. But once you open this up and say, God, I believe this is your word. Speak to me, open my eyes. Let me have ears to hear, ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for me. the words just start jumping out and you start seeing things you've never seen before. Why? All because of a decision to mix faith with what you read and with what you hear. Whew! You mixing faith today? Do you believe that you are coming boldly to the throne of grace today to receive the help you need, to receive the mercy you need, to receive the grace you need? Amen? Let's keep reading Hebrews 4, um, 9. And we're going to read through 11. It says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. How many of you are people of God? So there is a rest for you. There's a rest for you. Verse 10, For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall, 
lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience referring to the Israelites. So my, my third point is be diligent to enter God's rest, a.k.a. prioritize it. Make it a priority. Be diligent to enter God's rest. Prioritize it. So what, it, what does it mean to be diligent? I went to the old Google dictionary, and this is the definition I got, one of the definitions I got. It says, steady, earnest, energetic effort. That seems weird. You're telling me I have to have a steady, earnest, and energetic effort to enter into rest? Well, that seems a little funky. Okay, let's take athletes, for example. Athletes are diligent in what? Practicing. Especially professionals, that's what makes them a professional, right? So let's take golf. Golf pros are on the range like every day, hitting buckets of balls to, to fix their swing, to correct their swing, to improve their swing. They do this even before and after a full round of golf. And I tell you, some of you are like, golf's not a sport. Play 18 holes, especially if you're not good and you're hitting it 200 times, you're going to be feeling it. And they, they'll hit before and after a round. I'm like, bro, I ain't hitting nothing after a round of golf. Like, I'm a little sore and stuff, but they, they, they do that. Why? Because they're diligent. They're diligent. Um, we could take any sport, but football. Football players, what do they do? They're diligent in watching film, studying the defense, studying the offense. Um, they're diligent in throwing, practicing throwing, catching, tackling, whatever it is that they do, what part they play on the team, they're diligent in practicing it, right? Here's the key word, consistency. Consistency. The Bible says there is a rest for us, the people of God. How many of people of God again? So there's a rest for you, but we must enter it. Did you catch that? We must enter it. We have to be diligent to enter into the rest. God is not going to do it for us. The rest is there for you. You have to enter it. You have to enter it. We will not experience the rest God has for us until we enter it. Until we enter it. So how, the question then becomes, how do we enter it? Right? Well, the, the answer is in the verse. Put verse 11 up again. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So they didn't enter, it, they didn't enter into the rest because of disobedience. So the opposite would be true then, right? They would have entered in by obedience. So you enter into God's rest by being obedient to what he tells you to do. Did you catch that? You enter into his rest being obedient to what he has called you to do. I'm not just talking big stuff. I'm talking the little stuff, everyday stuff. We must be diligent to be obedient to him. That's how we enter into his rest. Obedience to God. Anybody going to practice that this week? <laughs> not just this week. How about for the rest of our lives? 
Because guess what? If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling stressed out all the time, you're not in God's rest. You need to find out why. That's not the way God wants you to live. Like I said, that doesn't mean things won't come up and, and you know, obstacles won't arise. Persecution won't arise. But man, we can handle it how Jesus handled it. He didn't let anything shake him, no matter what. Like I said earlier, he could sleep on that boat at peace, not frantic. Did, can anybody ever picture Jesus going like this? Ah, what am I going to do? Ah, what am I going to do? Why do we do that? That's not the way we're supposed to operate. All right, let's close here. Keep reading in Hebrews 4. Let's jump to 12, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even even to the division of soul and spirit. That's a sermon for another day. And the joints and marrow is, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open um, to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, this next part you need to highlight, underline, circle, star, let us hold fast to what? Our confession. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You know, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus knows what it's like. Whatever it is you're going through, he knows what it's like. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're the only one going through it. That is a lie. Everybody at some point or another has gone through it. But in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You can tell you are resting in God's favor by holding on to and maintaining a good confession. I can... Being completely honest, I can tell in five minutes of talking to somebody how good their confession is. You probably can too, huh? Maybe it's us. You know, somebody in five minutes can tell how good, how good you are doing in the current moment of resting in God's favor. Because it won't take long. If it's on the inside of you, it's going to spill out, right? When you are resting in his favor... You will have all the confidence in the world to go boldly to the throne of favor, to obtain mercy, to obtain power, to obtain grace that you need. Amen? Amen. So what were the three things today? Number one, complaining equals what? Complaining equals unbelief. Number two, it's impossible to enter God's rest without what? Faith. Number three, we must be diligent to enter God's rest. And what does that mean? We prioritize it. That means we prioritize obeying God, obeying what he tells us to. So some action steps for you. 
Identify areas in your life where you're not resting in God's favor. And how do we identify them? We look at the areas where we've been extremely frustrated in and complain frequently about. This is important. You need to, you need to go home and do this today or this week because we don't want to not be in God's favor in any area of our lives, right? right? Number two, talk to God about it. Get his wisdom on the matter. What does he want you to do? He desires to give you wisdom all the time. Number three, repent. <laughs> what does that mean? Change. Plead the blood of Jesus. Receive his forgiveness. And it's as if you never complained. Amen? But like how Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. We've been forgiven. Let's go and not complain anymore. Let's enter into his rest. Amen? All right, let's stand up. Hallelujah. Father God, we just come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Oh, are you thankful for his goodness, church? Lord, we thank you for the promise of rest that is for your people, for us, Lord. And Lord, we determine this week to identify areas where we have not entered into your rest, where we have not rested in your favor. Lord, places where we've doubted your character in. Mm. We get that under the blood right now. We repent in Jesus' name. In fact, repeat after me. Say, Father God, I repent of all complaining that I have done. Forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for helping me not to do it again. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we, we believe what we just prayed, Father God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, none of us could stand up righteously in and of our own strength, but it's because of you and what you did that you made us the righteousness of God in you. When God sees us, it's like he sees you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And I just pray over everybody today that they would identify the areas where they need to rest in your favor, Lord. You desire a rest for everybody. Our, our world teaches different. Our world operates differently. They say you need to go, 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 work, 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 do this, do that. But we determine to be in a state of rest, Father God, to be obedient to your word, to be obedient to your calling, to be obedient to the purpose you have laid on our hearts and to be obedient in the everyday details that you desire to show us wisdom in. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 